I don't know if any of you were here last Wednesday, but we talked about faith and works and uh, how God actually um, definitely has redeemed us by faith and that not of works, but he saved us for works. Amen. Thank you for that one. Amen over there. Appreciate that. No, does everybody understand? Um, I know that those of you who are um, about how um, faith uh, without works is dead and lifeless, says James. Isn't that right? Though we are not saved by works, we're saved for works. So if you have no works, there's no evidence of your faith. Yeah. And uh, so this, this pulls the rug out from under, um, you know, the people that just go out, do whatever they think they want to do. And, and they say, well, God knows my heart. That has no bearing on this subject. He does know your heart, whether it's corrupt or it is good. He does know your heart. And, and, and he identified people's hearts, didn't he, in the Bible. And, and, and so we, we don't use that as, well, God knows about everything and that means that whatever I'm doing is okay. No, he's identified with his word what is okay. And everything else outside of okay is not okay. And so if you think because God has some uh, weird outside his word program for you, you are wrong. And so we, as, as living embodiment of God, we are here to show the world what God is like. And God is love. God is kind. God is merciful. God is a lot of things. But he's not double-minded. A double-minded man will be unstable in, in all of his ways. And so we don't want to be double-minded. We don't want to be reverend do-dirty, do we? We want to be right. We want to be lined up with righteous. We want to be everything God has called us to be. And don't get me wrong. I understand that Jesus, he himself had to tell people the truth. And it wasn't always nice. You know, he didn't read how to win friends and influence people when he told the Pharisees that they are of their father, the devil, and the works of their father they, that they will do. And they were like whitewashed sepulchers. He knew how to read people. Isn't that right? But yet to the lost, the ones who didn't, claim they know everything, he actually spoke to them differently. And so we have a message for the lost. But the message I speak of faith and works is to the church. And if you are the body of Christ, you are the church, then you are to conduct yourself in a way that aligns yourself with God. You are seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Here in Revelation, uh, it says that Jesus tells them that church, the seven churches, he says, and you will sit with me on my throne. I didn't see that before. I knew he was seated and we're in him at the right hand of the Father. But he says to them, and you will sit with me on my throne, just as I have sat with my Father. On his throne. And that just changed everything for me. For some reason. Something went like whoa. Father has a throne. Jesus has a throne. And we get to sit with him. In the throne. Glory to God. So you can't be acting any old kind of way. (laughs) 
You are the king's kid. You are a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah, Jesus. I know. See, I can talk straight on Wednesday night. This is the Wednesday night group. Praise God. I believe you got something going on. If you came back on Wednesday night, when winter rolled into Las Vegas, you got put your stuff on and got in your car and turned the heater on and came all the way out for church on Wednesday night. So I can tell you the truth. I can tell you things that are hard and things that are challenging and things that will cause you to rise up and things that will cause you to shake some stuff off, kick off the weights that what so easily beset us. But you would think by some preacher's teaching that those weights are cool. Just swing them around and hang on to them. No, kick them off. Because God is, he's so, he just knows in your heart and he's so merciful. He's so loving. He's so kind. He's all of those things. Those are not excuses to live wrong. To live outside of your covenant with God. There are no good things that will happen outside of it. There are no good things that will happen if we live like we are not not saved. The same things that the, he preaches about, about all of those. I can't, don't, we don't want to go through the list. But the same things that he says about those sins, what they will do in, in the sinner, they will do in the righteous. You do not have a sin asbestos suit. It says to the believer, you do this thing. Speaking of sexual sin, it will burn your bosom. Oh my goodness, I don't like to talk so strong. But man, there has to be some shaking going on in the church. If we are going to be the church of these last days, we are living in the last of the last days. Do you understand the last days started when the Holy Spirit was poured out and, and Peter said, this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. He's saying these, this right here starts, boom, the last days. He said that he said this in the last days. And he said, this is that. So the last days started 2,000 years ago. And we are in the last of the last of it. <laughs> and I could, we could go through that. Tonight. I don't have time for that. I'm just going to talk to you about doing what God tells us to do. The work that is ahead of us. And if there was ever work to do, it would be right now, all hands on deck. We're talking about at this time, the 11th hour workers are coming in. The 11th hour workers. And they're going to look all kind of crazy. We can't judge them because they don't look like us. They don't dress like us. Don't judge me. They don't look like us, act like us in, in the sense of they might have a different cultural whatever. Listen, let's just stay to the Bible. Let's give them the word, give them the Bible, love them. 
They come in with all the mess and wildness of the world. If they ask you, is it okay to have more than one person in a sexual relationship in your marriage? You tell them, not really. The Bible, don't jump on them and start beating them. Just tell them the truth. No, the Bible, actually, God doesn't want that. He just, in the very beginning, it was just Adam and Eve, not Steve, not Adam and and Jack, not Adam and Jill, Jane and Joe. It's just Adam and Eve. And when Jesus dealt with it, when he showed up, he said this, he said, it was not that way at the beginning. And he went right back to, it was Adam and Eve. They were joined together as one and not, they were not to be separated. But he said, then he was dealing with the divorce issue. And so listen, we are, are the church. First and foremost, we are to walk in love. Isn't that right? But we, when it comes to our own conduct and how we are to live, we are to live circumspectly. We are to live upright. We are to live righteously. We are to live our lives for others, not selfishly. We are to live a life filled with God, filled with purpose, filled with expectation. If you are feeling uh, oppressed, it's because you have been drawn into yourself. What I tell people who are oppressed, depressed, is learn to serve others. When you quit being so concerned with yourself, and concerned with your brothers and sisters, you begin to want to help them. Oh my goodness, they, they need me. And all of a sudden you have no time for pity parties and selfish, uh, you know, oh man, I, I don't know, I don't know. And you quit saying, why me, why me? It's kind of like the story of the little boy at Valentine's. He goes to school and his mother was so concerned because he was always picked on and, and, and just messed with and ridiculed. And he wanted to make sure that he brought at Valentine's Day, a, 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 you know, one of those little cards that the kids give, be my Valentine. He wanted to make sure every one of his friends had one. And his, his mother was just, oh my goodness, this is going to go bad. I know it's going to go bad. And he gets back home and he's, he comes home into the, into the living room where his mom was. And, and she, she, he's coming in, he's saying, not one card, not one person, not one person, not one card. She thought, oh, gosh, he didn't get a card from anyone. And he comes in, he goes, mama, mama, I didn't miss one person. Everyone got a card. So he wasn't oppressed. Why? He wasn't thinking about himself. And so we have to change how we roll. If we are going to be the church, if we are going to be the the people God intended for us to be, we're going to have to come out of ourselves and, and begin to lay our lives down as Jesus commanded us to do and help each other and look after each other. We are such a closed society, especially with social media. It has caused us to withdraw into our phones and we think we're so social, but we are the most broken and messed up society that's ever been as a result because we need interaction. We need to be human touching. We need to be in the church. We need to be involved. We need to wash the feet as Jesus commanded. We need to serve. And Jesus, he's going to serve each one of us 
When we come into glory, when we get before him, he's going to serve each one of us our food. He washed the disciples' feet, and when we come out of this place, he's going to serve each one of us. It's going to be the longest dinner. I hope I'm first. first. I'm just kidding. But anyway, so, so he's going to serve everyone. Can you imagine the joy having the, the Savior of the world bring your food to you? Praise God. He is a serving God, a loving God, a working God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's look at Revelation really quick here. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. It's New King James. It says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which, which, which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So in this particular passage in Revelation, he's dealing with those seven churches and the, and the, um, the angels of those churches actually literally are, are to be um, pastors of those churches, just so you know. It's not as, as mystery. We could, we could prove that out um, looking at scriptures here a little bit later. Um, so, so uh, And then let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. So Jesus loves the church and he gave himself for the church. We're going to see this, but in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, and then verse 30, we're going to look at New King James. Husbands, love your wives. And all the wives said, oh, good. Okay. I was Glory to Jesus. I was going to have to come out there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Whew. Glory to Jesus. That is, that is tight right there. We are his body. We are his church. Glory to God. Who did Jesus die for? The church. The church. I said the church. So don't tell me that, that, no, you don't have to go to church. He died for the church. You probably want to get around it. You want to probably be in the midst of it because this is who he's dealing with. It's the church. And the, 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 just last night at prayer, uh, uh, the, a word came forth and, and the, the Lord said, he said this, he said, I am working before you. I'm going before you. I'm working for the church. That we, the church, need to quit uh, getting our focus on this thing and that thing. And there are a lot of things. Oh, my God. There's more things than I think there's ever been. And so there are more distractions in these last days. There will be even more coming, believe me, to get you, draw you into fear, to draw you into anger, to draw you in. What it's doing is drawing you out. We got, we, we're the church. We got to, we got to be mindful of that and, and centralize ourselves and, and be about Dwight. I'm so thankful for Dwight, man. This is, it's a wonderful gift. He comes with his base. He comes up there and he's like, he just get, 
You know, I, mean, I just want to go like this with him. He's like, he's like, I just felt the gifts and, and, and brother Steve tonight, he just started, he just started going out, going just, just uh, having a good time. And we're all just like, you know, and it's the church is, and God's just working. Those sounds they're making are coming out here and doing things that we can't even get our head around. It's not just a bass making noise. It's the glory of God coming through him and through his gifting and coming out and, and Steve and, and Davin and, and the singers and everybody just go and, and AJ back there trying to figure out the new spacecraft they dropped into our sound booth. You go back there and you're like, whoa. You just expect Scotty to show up, Ooh, you know, <laughs> warp none, Scotty, you know, give her more power. And AJ's back there. I've given her all she's got, Captain, you know, <laughs> it's just, but this is the church and he's working and our, our, our ambassadors and our prayer room workers and ushers and, and all the things going on and children and youth are going on and all these details. God is like working. He's like, I'm going before you. I am working. What is he saying? Stop worrying. Stop getting caught up in this thing and that thing and, and, and turmoil and anger and bitterness and strife and, and uh, whatever, parties and, and, and all those kind of things that are difficult for you. Listen, give them back to God and forget about that and begin to look into him and draw into him and decide how he wants you to serve in his kingdom and get busy. Hallelujah. Somebody say, get busy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Ephesians 5.32, just two verses after 30 says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Ooh, this is a big deal. And this is, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, eschatology, you know, you can't remove revelation from uh, the end times teachings. We always look right to revelation when we, Think about it in times, but it's a revelation of Jesus Christ first. And before it was called the book of Revelation, it was a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we definitely um, want to know that Jesus is working in us. He's got us where we're to be. And you come here tonight and you are a part of something bigger than you even know, than I even know. I've gotten glimpses of it. We went through the, the three years of who knows what it was. And, and uh, um, uh, in that time, I realized that the, the strategy of Satan, his primary strategy in those three years of attack was against the church. It was the greatest attack, I think, that we've known in our lifetime. And so, <laughs> but what has it done? It's made us stronger. The church is growing and thriving. They don't put it on the news but the church is rocking. God is working. And you know what's happening also is lines are being drawn. And we're, we're actually seeing right now who's really the church. That's scary to me. It's like, oh, we're going to watch your career closely because they are posers. People acting like the church. But you can't act like the church. God will not be misrepresented. And that's why he, that's why he talked like he talked to those Pharisees. 
He said, you are of your father, the devil. That was the church of that day. He said, he said to them, he said, in the words of your father, he said, you're like whitewashed sepulchers. I'm like, well, Jesus, we're supposed to be kind. Aren't we nice? Apparently, you're supposed to tell the truth. You say, the truth hurts. Yeah, that hurt. I said, that's going to leave a mark in so much that they crucified him. They did not like that. And so we know that it was all prophetic and it was what God planned. And then Jesus said, no one takes my life. They brought all those soldiers and he said, I am he. And they all fell on their backside. Clanking swords and shields. They're all falling out. Slapped an ear on a guy, got cut off by Peter. That was awesome. I love Peter. Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. God is all about the church. His eyes are on the church. We got work to do, people. God is watching. God is moving. God is, is, is all in our stuff right now. We can't be piddling with what we piddled with last year. Everybody has to stop piddling and get into their places. Step into your place. Armor up, armor up, armor up. Lock in, put your stuff on, amen? Unsheath your sword. Pick up your shield. Put that helmet down. Don't cock it back. This isn't the hood. No L.A. sag. Pull them. You know what I'm saying? Cover your backside. This is all important. The armor of God. We are ready. We are the church. We were purchased by his blood. Glory to God. Hallelujah. John chapter 21 verse 17. He said to them, uh, this is New King James. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So he's, he's all about the church. He's leaving his guys with some last information. Feed my sheep. He's a very, very attentive to you to us, that we are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. And he's saying, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Why? Because that is the most important thing to him. You are the most important thing to him. Praise the Lord. More than who's the president of the United States. We're said to be the most powerful country in the world, but he is thinking about his sheep first. And foremost. And everything else revolves around that. We are to be the influencers. They are not to tell us what temperature to be. They are the thermostat. We are actually the uh, one who says, bam, you will be this way. Speaking to the mountains, speaking to the systems. Amen. Praise the Lord. They're the thermometer, excuse me. We're the thermostat. We dictate the temperature. And we're saying and declaring 2024 will be the greatest harvest that there's ever been. 
But it's not just saying it. We are doing it. We're doing it. Everywhere we are, everywhere we go, we are the church. I'm a representative of the church. In my talk, in my speech, incidentally, last Wednesday, I mentioned that I had witnessed to a gentleman or I ministered to a gentleman in prayer who had an alcohol problem. Was anybody here for that? Anybody around? Uh, yes. He came up to me uh, just this week and said, you're in trouble. I said, I've been in trouble before. What kind of trouble am I in this time? And he told me, he said, he said, I haven't drank for six days. And he said, I've never made it past four. He said, I don't know what you did to me. And I said, it wasn't me. It was God. He said, one thing at a time. (laughs) I said, I said, okay, but I'm going to tell you, it's not me. It's him. And yes, God used me to help you, but it was him, his power, his glory. He said that he went to hang out with his friends and they drink now, which I don't recommend. But he said, I didn't want to. I don't know what it was. I didn't want to do it. I said, well, I know who it was. Praise God. So we're the church, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, helping people, restoring people, delivering people. We are Christ's ambassadors. The church, praise God, is very exciting. Living this way is very exciting. To live our lives to ourselves is depressing. To live our lives for everyone else is very exciting. Come outside of ourselves. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't stay in the cave. Don't stay in the cave. Don't stay safe. Because the excitement is out there where the danger is. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I tell you what, who I am dangerous to is Satan. And his hold on people. That's where danger is coming to town. I'm coming to a place where he has people in bondage to free them. Jesus left, but you are here. And he's inside of you doing the same work. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10. My, my, my. Praise the Lord. I don't know how come I don't get out of the introductions. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 19 through 25. This is a um, authorized version of King James. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Praise God. So there sets the foundation of how we are to roll. We are to be purified, washed, cleansed, and in this condition, go out and wreak havoc in this world. Because Satan can't touch this. Exactly. Satan can't touch us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so inspired by people that go into the 1040 window where Islam and 
and uh, you know the Muslim world where they're killing Christians and murdering Christians, and and they'll they'll have killed a Christian, and they will go fly over there, stand in the spot where they were killed, and preach the gospel. And I'm like, yes, that is so cool. And you think, well, are they dead? No, no, no. But hundreds of people are coming into the kingdom of God as a result. What they're doing is they're spitting in the Satan's face and saying, we are not afraid of you. And they take a stand in a place where there has been no gospel and no light. People come and they could say jihad, you know, say some word. I think it's jihad. And, and then people will come and kill those Christians allegedly, right? So a guy comes and he sees them and he says, you're Christians, right? And he said, you know that I could have you killed. And then the word of knowledge comes. He says, I know your daughter has cancer and she's dying. Crazy stories. Call your wife. So they prayed for her, I guess, and, and she calls and, and she's been set free long, you know. So then that just explodes. Those kind of miracles explode. They could care less about the regime and death. Christian Muslims are the most most boldest people on this planet. I'm telling you, they're crazy. Not afraid to die. I want that boldness. Don't you? We're, we're, we're afraid to even say something because we're, we, somebody will hurt our feelings if we do. Come on, you guys, let's buck up. Let's just step up. We're not just trying to offend people either. We're not just trying to hurt people's feelings or tell them they're stupid or you're going to hell. No, we're just trying to love people into the kingdom of God. But don't be afraid to do it. Let's do this. Do the work. So, so this lays the foundation right here. It, it says, let us, uh, um, going on, let, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 23, verse 23 of chapter 10. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Woo! Wow, what are we supposed to be doing? The work. Love first, and it flows out from that love. Good works. Praise the Lord. I love everybody in this room. Praise the Lord. I love everybody outside of this room. Praise the Lord. I go into the gym, and there's some crazy people in the gym, and wild girls, and wild guys, and nutty people. I love every single one of them. And when I talk to them, they recognize Jesus when they see me. They know there's something coming out that's different than other people they've met. And they'll approach me, and I have never talked to them. They'll approach me and say, there's something different. But see, I am not just a special person. You, all of you, are special people. Carrying around God inside of you. Carrying around the supply that the world needs. If they don't get your supply, they may die and go to hell. Now I'm just provoking you to use what God has placed on the inside of you to help them out from their darkness and come outside of yourself. Listen, it takes energy. Look, drink coffee, snort tea, I don't know, but get out there and do something for Jesus. You say, well, I just don't have the energy. Well, look, get you some. Listen, get some gunpowder tea or something. I'm telling you, that stuff, that stuff will make you swing over hell on a corn stalk right there. I'm telling you. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. 
And I just don't have the energy to talk to people. I just barely go and get my, my fried chicken and come home. You know, I just, well, listen, get some energy. Believe God. God, give me energy. Give me boldness. Give me courage. Whatever you're lacking, God will give it to you so that you can be a light to the world. You have what they don't. Praise God. And obviously we do take care of each other. We love each other and minister to each other accordingly. I encourage you to do that. Love the brethren. Love the, the sistren. I'm not sure if that's the word. But anyway, love everyone. I think a cistern is not good, is it? That's something else. But anyway, maybe we should go on now. So verse 25. So it says, in verse 24 said, And let us consider one another to provoke into loving good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, the the day of Christ, of course, is approaching. We see it. The day of the Lord Jesus is coming. So we're we're obviously to encourage um, the body of Christ. I tell you, I'm witnessing all the time. so, So I'm running into Christians that aren't in church all the time. So, so, oh, no, I'm born again. I'm saved. You know, I, I went to, to who knows whose church, you know, they'll name drop, you know, uh, whether it be T.D. Jakes or big names. And I'm like, well, wow, praise the Lord. Why aren't you in church? They put their head down. Well, we moved. I'm like, oh, how long have you lived here? Ten years. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's a long time to be outside of church. You know, your pastor would be angry with you right now. You know, anyway, so. So. So it, when it says all the more. All the more, it's not necessarily connected to church attendance because if I go to church more than I do right now, that would probably kill me, okay? No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so it's, it's all the more. In other words, all the more exhorting. Do that more as you see the day approaching. People need to be in church. It's more critical now than it's ever been. And, and, and it will become, listen, it will become even more. I believe this church is going to be packed. Filled, filled. I mean, we've had people that have seen visions and different things and went, oh my goodness, you know what I thought of? I thought, what cataclysmic thing is going to take place in this earth that's going to get the church back to church? I don't even want to imagine it. (laughs) But in the meantime, I'm going to do the exhorting and do what I'm supposed to do. Because God is working. He's already going ahead of us. He's already doing his stuff, his business. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yep, yep, yep. Hallelujah. Ha ha. Woo. Come on now. Somebody tell the truth. Shame the devil. Romans 13, 11. <laughs> Romans 13, 11. And it says, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Woo. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Wow, this was written 2,000 years ago, you guys. Unbelievable believing. Woo! Come on now. It's nearer than it's ever been. If it was nearer then, it's nearer now. Isn't that right? The time is here. Philippians 4, 5. I'm on, I'm on a high, high speed one now here. Philippians 4, 5. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. They thought he was coming then. They thought he was coming back then. Hallelujah. Revelation (laughs) 1.1. 
says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. So these things, we see them all falling into place. Y'all with me? Stuff's about to happen. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm sure glad I'm on the right side of this thing. Hallelujah. Whether it's pre-trib, post-trib, or middle middle of the road trip, or one quarter trip, or three quarters trip, or I just know that I want to be right where I'm supposed to be when anything starts happening, when the world starts tripping, which it already is, then we want to be exactly where we're supposed to be because the will of God, the plan of God is the safest place on the earth. And so when you start acting and and living and doing and working and serving and helping, oh my goodness, stuff starts busting loose. I just love seeing new believers come into the house of God and watch the enemy just just destroyed in their lives and them come to a revelation of Jesus and, and their love for God causes them to cry and weep. And I'm just weeping with them because I remember those days of discovery and, and who he is and how much he cares. And oh my goodness, I just want to repent and get back to where I used to be in my hunger for God that kept me up till four in the morning, seeking him, crying out to him and and loving him. I just want to be what God wants me to be. And I, I just remember the young man that, that I ministered to back in the day on the base and, and uh, driving him in my, my sunshine van. It had like a rainbow on the side. It had the king is coming on the back. One friend of mine, he say, when's Elvis showing up? I say, that's not the same king. But anyway, so, so I just remember driving. I had all these crazy airmen, you know, from the base, you know, and they're back there beating each other with my pillows that are in the back of this van, you know, and and uh, just just such great beginnings to, to my walk with the Lord. And, and I go back to those days of, of crying before those guys, telling them, I just want to do what God wants me to do. Weeping, I just want to do the will of God. I just want to please him. I want to honor him. He gave his life for me when I deserved hell and death. And, and, and so my life is no longer my own. I don't count my life as precious to myself anymore. And I, I, I'm so thankful I don't have to do drugs. I don't have to smoke it or snort it or drink it or chase it or dump it. I just have to walk in it and love him and know that he's got me. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about what people think. Don't get me wrong. I care how people perceive me in one sense. You understand I'm going to live my life to, to show what God looks like. I'm not going to just live in any kind of way. But that doesn't control me. Paul said, I don't even judge myself. He said that. What's your judge, Paul? The word of God. The word of God. That's what he's saying. I don't even judge myself. This is my judge. I look in here to see what I'm supposed to look like. To see how I am to act. To see how I am to conduct myself before men. And if I'm aligned with this, then I have peace with God. 